Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. I would have never chosen healthcare and technology on my own. I was always more drawn to English. I've always loved writing and storytelling. And once I started working in the healthcare industry, I was so overwhelmed and inspired. You know, we're actually making a difference and we're actually improving the world. I think it's just really drilling down to understand what the value is that the technology is providing. You know, I think just learning from others, right? Standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, we don't have to recreate the wheel here. And then just having the confidence to do it. Today's episode is brought to you by Trippy Bird Inc., where digital healthcare is their niche. Whether you're looking to implement remote patient monitoring in-house, start a chronic or principal care management program, or even leverage telehealth to optimize the delivery of care and outcomes for your patients and team, Chirpy Bird Inc. can help. They offer results-based solutions for practices and health systems to support docs and patients during this uncertain time. You can find them and all of their services online at chirpybirdinc.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast, where we're dedicated to amplifying the career journey, accomplishments, and lessons learned of women everywhere. I'm your host, Joy Rios. And I'm your other host, Robin Roberts. During the day, together we run a health IT consultancy known as Chirpy Bird Inc., where we get to geek out on all things healthcare, technology, and policy. But along the way, Joy noticed that so many women were running organizations, but too few were leading or being recognized. So we decided to change that. Together, we're learning about the puzzle that is healthcare and sharing what we find with you, our listeners. You can expect us to be talking with some pretty badass women. We will even be exploring how the pandemic is impacting many of their professional lives this season. We've also formed a private community of both guests and listeners over on Slack to help make connections, offer support to one another, and share the resources we come across. If you want to join us, check out our website at hitlikeagirlpod.com forward slash community. And this week, our Hit Like a Girl Pod Slack community shoutouts go to Amy, Kathy, Leah, Maria, Neelam, and Rana. This week's virtual high five goes to Neelam for getting her Tableau and R for Analytics certification, as well as her COVID-19 contact tracing certification. High five. All right, enough already. There are too many awesome women to talk with. Let's get started. Today, we're talking with Rachel Ford Hutman, founder of Ford Hutman Media. She works on the public relations, thought leadership, and storytelling side of healthcare. We learned a lot from our conversation with Rachel and think you will too. So let's get started. We 
are really excited to get to know you, Rachel, and more about you and your journey. We liken healthcare and health IT to a thousand piece puzzle. Oftentimes we call it more than that, a four or 5,000 piece puzzle. And there's really no way for any one of us to hold all of it, the knowledge and expertise. And so we really feel that we're sort of on a mission to understand each individual's piece and how it perhaps fits together with others. So if you wouldn't mind, please take a moment to introduce yourself and share with us your piece of the healthcare slash health IT puzzle and, and even how you got there. We'd love to hear about your journey into the position that you currently hold. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me today. Rachel Ford Hutman. I am the founder of Ford Hutman Media, which I founded last March, about a week before the pandemic really started. So that was interesting. And we can definitely talk about that. I have 15 years of communications experience. I most recently worked um, in a senior communications role at IBM Watson Health. And then prior to that role, I worked at a large global healthcare communications firm called W2O Group. And in that role, I actually worked with a variety of health, digital health, med tech companies. IBM was actually one of my clients in that role. And then I also worked with Medtronic. And I also worked with a lot of biotech companies. So I have that vantage point as well and saw that happen, you know. And so that's really interesting. And then prior to that, I worked at a couple other smaller health focused agencies and life science agencies. And then I actually started my career as a journalist. So that's kind of interesting. So I'm happy to talk about that transition as well in my career. Sure. Let's hear about it. Yeah, absolutely. So I was a reporter and I you know, was focused on journalism and I was working with all of these PR people who just annoyed me, honestly, you guys. And they would call me and pitch stories. And I'd be like, why do these people keep bothering me? But then the financial crash happened. So it was 2008, as you guys probably recall. And the entire newsroom was laid off. The newspaper I was working for shut down, went out of business. And so I went home to my husband. And I said, you know, I need to start a new career. What am I going to do here? And um, I'm always talking to these PR people. Maybe I can try that. And I loved storytelling. And I really just kind of fell into public relations, to be perfectly honest with you. But the first agency I went to specialized in healthcare and technology, which are two staples of the San Diego marketplace, which is where I live. And I'm so happy because I would have never chosen healthcare and technology on my own. I was always more drawn to English. I've always loved writing and storytelling. And once I started working in the healthcare industry, I was so overwhelmed and inspired. You know, we're actually making a difference and we're actually improving the world. And I just, I loved it. I've I've stayed in healthcare and technology ever since. Well, you and I have a lot in common because I was also an English major, loved writing, and lived in San Diego for many years. So we're, oh, really? yeah, we're in San Diego, were you? I was in North Park and oh, not, not cool. only just moved in March. So around the same time that you started your company. And mm-hmm. one of the things I find really interesting about the communication side of healthcare, healthcare is complicated. And so being able to so communicate it and translate it in a way that people understand it is a huge value. So can you speak at all to some of the maybe kind of complexities that you have taken on to translate to the general public or, you know, what, what is it that you, yeah, specialize in? 
Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's such a great point you're making. And yeah, I would say, I think that's actually part of my strength. I think because I wasn't, you know, educated, you know, in science and I, you know, didn't take all of those science classes. I think I actually have a really great ability to speak directly to, you know, researchers, scientists, physicians, clinicians, and I can understand what it is that they're doing. And then I can translate it to a more lay audience, if you will. And I think it's actually really helped me in my career because since I don't have that background, right, I'm able to kind of break down what it is that they're telling me. And then I can turn it and make it into something that the general public would be interested in and want to learn more about. So yeah, I mean, I've done that quite a bit, especially working in healthcare and technology is incredibly complex. And a lot of times when you're working with companies, you know, everybody in the company knows what you're, what they're talking about, right? And they're using all of their corporate speak and acronyms. But when you're coming from the outside, you can call them out on that and say, well, hold on a second, guys, what exactly are you talking about here? You know, Can you give me more around what exactly within the technology is interoperable so I can pull that out, right? And um, I find that that's a big strength for me. Okay, so you've got to give us an example because you dropped some big names like IBM Watson, et cetera. And I got to be honest with you, I'm a big data nerd. I'm terrible at writing and translating some of these things sometimes. That is Joy's specialty. But we have sat down with some people in an industry where I feel like we can speak the same jargon. Ask someone to tell us about what they're doing. And it is a beautifully polished sentence full of a lot of buzzwords, but it does nothing to tell me in practicality what it does what the benefit is, or how the heck it impacts me, even as another health IT business. So can you give us some examples where you've actually done that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just really drilling down to understand what the value is that the technology is providing, right? So I think it's really coming back to them to say, okay, and how is this actually being used in a clinic? Do we have a customer or client that's using this technology that I can that I can speak to? Because I'd love to actually speak directly to the client. So being in business is business, it's more challenging, right? And I think the media is much more interested in the impact, right? And a lot of times they actually don't care about the technology. You know, they want the technology to get out of the way. They want to know how this is going to impact us, right? You and me, going to the doctors, how will we be impacted? And so I think that's really what I'm able to do is say, okay, this is, this is all well and good, but I need to know how we're actually you know, using this in a clinical setting. What's the name of the hospital that's using this technology? Better yet, do we have a, a patient, a patient story? And when I'm able to dig those details out from them, it becomes clear what we need to tell that full story. I'm trying to think of a good example. So one of my clients right now is Holon Solutions, and they have a, a technology that works directly within the EHR to pull all the information into one place, okay? And I challenge them to say, okay, this is great, but what hospitals are actually using this, right? Like, tell me that story. And so then they gave me Banner Health, which is one of their clients. So then I said, okay, great. I'd love to now have some data around how this is improving Banner Health. And so then they were able to give me some data points and I was able to put together that story that shows the impact the technology is actually having. And one other point I would make too is when I was at IBM Watson Health, our global chief technology officer there, Ted Tanner, he had this great saying about how technology just needs to get out of the way. Like that's the problem we're having. It's like 
a doctor in a hospital, he doesn't care, you know, what system he's using. He just wants the information that he needs for the patient at that point of care when he needs it. Right. And I think that, you know, we just, we're doing all this stuff to put more technology in front of them and making it more difficult. And really the ultimate goal is to just make their lives easier. Hey there, sorry to interrupt. If you like the vibe of this podcast, you're going to love our private Slack community. It's super supportive, ladies-only pod where we offer real talk, real advice, and genuine engagement to our members to help them stay inspired and level up. To join, just go to hitlikeagirlpod.com forward slash community. All right, now let's get back to the show. So I'm interested because of the timing of your organization, how have you... like? fared in the time of COVID, especially considering the timing of when you started. So has that actually been beneficial for you or is it totally impacted you in a way that you never would have expected? I mean, we're all having an unprecedented year. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's been a hard year for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) It's been different. Has it been been different? Yeah. Yes. You know, it it actually has, I think, been beneficial. I'm so incredibly lucky to be in healthcare and technology, you know, two strong, robust industries that have become more important during the pandemic. Would I have chosen to start my own communications agency, you know, the same week that COVID broke out? Probably not, but um, it has been really beneficial. And, um, you know, I think that I just started working with some clients in new ways because they've transitioned their business to focus on COVID. So I've been working with them on more COVID related projects, which has been interesting. But yeah, it's, you know, obviously, you know, working remotely is a challenge in and of itself. And then we're seeing conferences all switch to virtual. So, you know, that's, that's um, an issue, but I think overall it actually has been beneficial to my business And then I'm really lucky too, because I have such a broad understanding of healthcare and I've worked in, you know, multiple parts of the industry. So, so I think that's helpful too, because obviously the media right now is very focused on vaccine development, right? We're all fingers crossed, you know, one of these is going to work, but I also have a a very deep understanding of health IT and so how the diagnostics play a role in it as well. And then I also work with a couple of venture funds. So I'm able to see healthcare, you know, from a very macro view that I think really helps my service to clients. Have you been involved in many of these virtual conferences? Because I've got to say the experience on the user side is obviously night and day from being there in person. Yes, isn't it? It's so hard. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, I've definitely tried to go to a few of them. And I, I especially if there's a speaker I'm really interested, I will go and, and listen to that speaker. But it is really hard. There's always technology challenges, right? So that's hard to keep your focus when, you know, they're going in and out of the Zoom call. And then I think the panels especially are really hard for me to, to get engaged in because you have the the pausing so much between and Yeah. So it's challenging, but I think, you know, we're doing our best, right. And we still need to have these conversations, you know, in the industry because they're so, so important, but yes, the the conferences, um, yeah, the virtual conferences are are hard. How do you see COVID kind of shaping 
the businesses you're working for, what kind of modifications are people needing to make, you know, in their media, their communications, their marketing type efforts, all of the services that you help support, Rachel? Oh, yeah. What is it that you're seeing people do that maybe are pivoting well or changes maybe that you're just observing that people need to be making as a result of everyone being, you know, predominantly remote now? It's a great question. Yeah. So I would say, first off, the media landscape has shifted dramatically since COVID. You're seeing reporters now focusing on COVID that are more generalists, so they don't have a ton of healthcare experience, right? So that's been interesting. So certain bits of news are not being covered as they would have before. You're also seeing journalists being laid off, which is really scary. And so now we don't have as many reporters out there to tell the stories. So what that means for companies, you know, and and the clients I work with is that they do have to get more creative with telling their stories, right? A lot of times now they have to tell it themselves and they can't count on the media to do it. So they need to look to their own platforms, their own blog, their own social channels, and, you know, creating their own content. And so that makes PR practitioners like myself more challenged because now we need to write the stories where, you know, before COVID, we were able to pitch the stories to the reporters to write. Well, now there's just less reporters out there. So we've got to actually, you know, write the story and put together that messaging for the client and then try to either place it in the media or maybe put it on their website or something. And so I'm really seeing that that change happening, you know, for the clients I work with. And then I would also say it's been interesting for me because a lot of of my reporter friends in the industry that have been laid off, well, they're looking for jobs. And so they're transitioning to public relations. And so they're actually able to do a lot of the content development. And so that's been really interesting because you've just all of a sudden got, you know, a a really nice bunch of people that you can work with where before you, you wouldn't have had the opportunity to work with them. What are the dangers of this becoming a DIY project for some of these organizations? Tell me, like, what do you see people that are trying to, like, do this totally in-house that maybe should be engaging with someone like yourself? Like, where are some of the most common fails happening? Like, why should somebody maybe not consider taking this on themselves? Yeah. Well, I'm sure if they do try to take it all on themselves, then it probably just won't happen. <laughs> right. They'll work, they'll realize really quickly that they don't have the time to do it. Wait, wait, wait. wait. So just okay. to be clear, if I write a piece of content and the only three people liking it or 13 people liking it are my own teammates, that's probably not a good sign. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> okay. Please continue. Yeah, pro- probably not. Especially because it probably took you a long time to write. And it's probably, you know, what, like a 20, 20th thing on your list to do, right? And same thing with social. You know, I, I just have worked with so many companies over the years that try to do a lot of this stuff in-house and um, it just quickly falls to the bottom of the pile, right? And then they realize it's just not getting done. And then all of a sudden, you know, three months later, they, they you know, come out of their hole and they're like, hold on a second, you know, we haven't had any media attention. You know, we have not had any anything happening socially. You know, all of our competitors are getting coverage. And then all of a sudden, you know, they scramble to figure out what's happening. I think that, you know, giving communications, and I mean, it depends on the size of the organization, of course, right? But some of the larger companies that I have worked with over the years, it's interesting there too, because they're also really, really busy and they have a ton of priorities. So, you know, when I was in my role at IBM Watson Health, there were just certain things that it was really hard to find time to get to. And so you do need to hand that off to your agency to really kind of keep you on your toes to make sure, you know, that you're finishing that op-ed or, you know, you finished the strategy for whatever's happening next month. And so it's really helpful when you have an agency that really, 
you know, just project manages and, and keeps things humming along for you. And companies that try to do it all in-house will pretty quickly, I think, realize that. You know, another thing I would say is that I do see right now happening in the industry, though, obviously companies, you know, they're looking really closely right now at their bottom lines. And so I am seeing a lot of companies actually pivot to want to work with smaller agencies because they don't necessarily want the really large agency that comes with all the bells and whistles, but then also comes with a huge price tag. So I am seeing companies really look closer at their communications agencies and the services that they provide. So let's transition to our next big question, which is our forward-thinking future magical wish concept. Whereas if you had an opportunity to take away all the barriers that currently exist, essentially wave your magic wand or snap your fingers and fix any problem in healthcare or health IT, what would you choose to solve? And can you tell us why? Oh my goodness. That's, I love it. That's such a great question. You know, I would love it to just be able to like access all of my information easily, like all of my health data. How cool would it be to just be able to have it almost like, like something like a Facebook page, right? That you log in, not, not Facebook, obviously, but you know what I mean? Like you just log in and have this one place you go that you can access all of your information. And then when you want to go to a new provider, you could just, you know, hit send and that information would go to that provider. And I'll give an example of why. My mother passed away from pancreatic cancer last year. And when she, you know, the last few months, obviously we were in and out of hospitals all the time, seeing countless, you know, providers. And almost every single time, you know, the doctor would come in there, they'd open up Epic, you know, and of course I'm kind of always looking over their shoulder to see what what system they're using, you know. And then they'd get into some other system that's, you know, local to the hospital. They'd, you know, read uh, some notes for a few minutes. And then they would turn to my mom, you know, who's in a lot of pain at this point, and they would turn to her and say, okay, so tell me your story. What's going on? And she would get so frustrated because she's like, are you kidding me? Can you please know, come in here with some background information and know all of my, like already know everything. But the problem was, is that they didn't have all the information in one place, right? And it wasn't like we could easily give it to them and say, here it is. So we would have to go through her whole entire story again, you know, and I could just see my poor mom, you know, just cringing. And I just thought, this just isn't fair to her. It's not fair to any patient. And an also really frustrating moment in her care was that at one point her her oncologist, who basically was on the same campus, you guys, so like we could like look out the window and see the oncologist's office from the hospital she was in. And the oncologist like didn't know at one point that she had been in the hospital for like two weeks. And the oncologist is like literally, you know, steps away from the hospital. So it's just that data integration. It's just so incredibly frustrating. And I just, I just wish we could find a way to just put everything in one place and everybody could just work together and we could just be like, okay, we've solved for that. How awesome would so that be? I learned about something and I haven't tested it out, but one of our former guests, Grace Cordovano, she is a patient advocate with 20 years experience. And she shared something recently about a medical annual report that is apparently like a credit report that all of us have access to, but we don't know about it. And she had shared that there is a way to actually kind of go in, essentially, I think, log in to a site to see what 
is on your medical record to see if there are any discrepancies or anything, if, it, if it's accurate or not, and mm-hmm. kind of keep it as a file. And I haven't tested it out, but I just wanted to like mention it because that I think that there is a version of that that exists that none of us are really aware of. Robin, do you have any experience with that? Have you... I think that came across. No, here. so I yeah, I know she just shared it on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago, and so I do not. But I do want to say that everyone should check it out. It's on Block Health, but I will give a plug for Grace because she is a great advocate in the oncology space. So Rachel, I am sorry about your mom, but I want to also say that I know how infuriating it is to not have that, and I'm sure it is both for physicians and patients alike, but especially when you're dealing with any sort of episode of care when somebody isn't well, whether it's something acute or something that's potentially fatal, it is it is just so frustrating. It's such a time waste. It seems so highly inefficient. And the doctor wants just what he needs, right? The oncology cliff notes or whatever it might be. And so you think something as critical as a hospital stay would have already been on your radar when you walked in the room, right? In theory, it should be as easy as Facebook. It should be as easy as some of these very intuitive applications. And alas, we, we do not have it. So I, uh, I share in wanting that, that same wish. Thank you. Thank you so much. We just need to do better, right? It's like we need to do better for patients. We need to do better for the doctors. You know, they're not happy with this, right? They are not happy with current EMRs and all the clicks that it takes to get the information that they need. And you have all of these companies like trying to solve the puzzle, right? Like seem to find like one little piece of it, but it seems like they still all can't figure out, you know, the, the payers can't figure out how to work with the providers. And I feel like though, and I'm going to be optimistic here, but I do feel like with COVID, you know, you know, digital health has become so important, right? And we are seeing, you know, amazing things happening. I think the merger of Teladoc and Livongo is so exciting and it will enable patients to be more empowered in their own care. So I am excited for the future for sure, but I do think we still have a ways to go. Actually, as we sit here today, I have my uh, She Powers Health Livongo shirt on. So yeah, they're definitely doing some exciting stuff. Sorry, Drake, go ahead. No, that's okay. I wanted to ask and throw in a question because you're the owner of your own business. Is there any advice that you have for other women, professional or otherwise, that maybe want to pursue a similar path? Yeah, yeah. You know, I would say just talk to other people in the industry that do something similar to what you're looking at. Network as much as you can. You know, I just had such great conversations with my past CEO at prior agencies and a lot of female colleagues that I worked with, you know, at IBM and and at other companies. And, you know, I think just learning from others, right? Standing on the shoulders of giants, you know, we don't have to recreate the wheel here. And then just having the confidence to do it. I think that's honestly, ladies, like the most important thing because I was so scared to do this. And then I, I thought I had to kind of jump off the cliff, right? And then I jumped off and realized it wasn't even a cliff. Of course, like you, ha- I just think as females, sometimes we just don't, you know, have the confidence, right? Like we think everyone else, you know, is smarter than us or, you know, they can do it better. And um, I think really just owning that and knowing that, of course, you can do this. I heard a great quote the other day I want to share with you guys. It said, it says, you don't have to be best friends with every woman, but you do have to be a sister to all women. 
And that really touched me because I think it's incredibly true, right? It's like just helping one another and um, being a mentor, you know, to someone else. And, you know, I've had such amazing mentors in my career. And so I always try to do that with other women too in the industry that, you know, I can help. And it all just comes back to you too. I think that's a really important thing. I love that. I love that concept. And to your point about fear, I mean, I think that we all experience it and there's something to be said for understanding that it doesn't, that fear doesn't necessarily go away, but you make the decision and do it anyway. I mean, it'll eventually subside, but like learning how to do and make decisions and kind of jump off the cliff, so to speak, even when you are afraid is pretty powerful. Yes, I I agree. I feel like I've really like came to this point in my life and I'm just so proud of myself. Well, as an English major, you'll like this one too. I always hang quotes like around my desk here. And one of the other ones I love is Emily Dickinson. If your nerve deny you, go above your nerve. And I love that one. And I look at that one every day too, because it's like, you just got to do the scary stuff. And that's the only way you're going to grow and expand. And I've just realized in my career too, just continuing to push boundaries, not getting comfortable, right? Like don't stay in that job where you're unhappy and you don't feel like your career is progressing, right? You kind of know, you kind of have that feeling, right? We've all, we've all been in the industry a while. It's like, you know, when it's not working, that's when you really need to start making a change. Well, and those uncomfortable feelings, I mean, oh my gosh, that's what makes you feel alive. I feel so alive. <laughs> yes, yes, it's so true, right? It's so incredibly true. And nobody's going to come and like lay out the red carpet for you in your career, right? You really have to pave the way on your own. But again, those conversations with others, I just, I learned so much. And when I would have those conversations with other women that had done this, And men, once I had those conversations, they would almost always point me towards someone else that I should speak with. So my network just kept expanding. They'd be like, Rachel, yes, of course you can do this. You should also talk to X and Y because they did it. So once I really started focusing on that and learning from others and being open to learn from others too, because it's scary to say like, hey, I don't know this. Will you share your experience with me? You know, you know, that's kind of scary. So just being honest with yourself about what you need to learn. Absolutely. And I think that candid inventory of whether it is where you are in your career or what you're learning is just critical to moving on. And I think you're right. I think so much, so many times we keep the status quo to to just keep things going in our lives or for our families or others, or even just ourselves, because there's a comfort there and rising above that nerve is uh, and following your gut is so important. Yeah. What do you think has been kind of that scariest moment for you? Was it leaving a job, starting this? Was it something else? <laughs> I do think when the COVID pandemic hit, you know, there was a moment of, oh shit, did I just make the biggest mistake of my life? I had already put in my notice at IBM <laughs> and a lot of my my meetings that I had set, you know, with, with new clients got canceled or went virtual because all of us were kind of freaking out, right? Not sure what was happening in the world. Hymns got canceled, I'm sure you'll remember. So there was just a moment of like, oh my God, like, did I just blow it? <laughs> I was scared. But, you know, a couple weeks went by, things kind of settled down into that new normal. And then that's when too, you know, the companies I was working with started shifting in different directions, really interesting directions to focus on COVID. It did all work out, but but I will have to be honest with you ladies, there definitely was a moment where I I was just terrified. And I was like, oh my goodness, I've, I've really, really screwed this up. 
But yeah. That's understandable. Well, Rachel, if somebody wants to work with you or find you online, where would they do so? Where's the best place to, to get yeah. in touch? Yeah, absolutely. Well, my website, FordHuttmanMedia.com, and there's links there to my LinkedIn and Twitter as well. And um, there's an email there where you can contact me. And I'm happy to you know, network, um, mentor others, and of course, discuss my services or point someone in the direction to another firm that might be a better fit. Awesome. We just really enjoyed our time together. So thanks for spending this with us. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. If you want to know more about us or this guest, check out our website at hitlikeagirlpod.com. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes or simply tell a friend. You can also connect with us on Twitter or Instagram at the handle hitlikeagirlpod. Thanks again. See you soon. Thank you to Chirpy Bird Health IT Consulting. You can find out more about them at www.chirpybird.com.